What's up, everybody? It's time for episode 22 of Believe in Queens. I'm Joe Serralo, as always, joined by Tyler Ward and the man himself, former New York Mets catcher, Anthony Recker. And before we dive in to this episode, I, Rec, I mean, come on, we're excited to have you, man. Still 22 episodes in, still got to play it up a little bit. And uh, before we dive in to this episode, the Mets coming off a sweep against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Max Scherzer returns tomorrow or today as you're listening to this. I do want to remind you all that this episode of Believe in Queens is brought to you by our sponsors over at BetOnline. Head on over to BetOnline.ag for the latest lines, odds, news, and developments surrounding the sports betting world. And use your promo code BELIEVE50. That's B-L-E-A-V-5-0 for your first time, one time, 50% welcome bonus, courtesy of us at Believe. BetOnline, it's where the games begin. Hey, while we're talking about betting, before we dive into this great sweep, Rec, how is uh, week two of fantasy football going for you? A little bit better, a little bit better. Uh, first week was not ideal. Um, I think if there was underperformance to be had, they were on my team and it, it was had uh, <laughs> on the first week. The second week's been better. Um, I made a trade for Lamar Jackson in one of my leagues, not the yeah. Met League, the super secret Met League, different league. <laughs> so brought him over. He had, a, he had a nice day. He did okay. And uh, yeah, no, the, the Met one, I got Carlos Torres this week. It's actually going to be a great Ending. He's got Darnell Mooney going right now. Um, and then he's got the Bills defense going Monday night. I have Derrick Henry going Monday night. And we're, I think, I think I'm up by like five or six points. Mooney hasn't done anything. The Bears look like trash. So <laughs> like the Bears. that's what happens when Rodgers faces the Bears. He goes back to They beat the point. Niners last week somehow. I don't know what happened there. Speaking of my Niners, Lance. Done. Garoppolo. Hey! Oh, my beard. I got you. Jimmy GQ back in action. I love it. I'm on my way to being 2-0 in both leagues. Uh, Lamar, you know, great day. Tampa Bay defense got him in both leagues. They put up like 25 points. Ridiculous. Um, just, you know, good start to the year. Tyler, are you in a fantasy um, league? I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. We got to we, we gotta fix that. Yeah, we do got to well, start a Believe one next year. Well, I'm in two believe leagues. Yeah, there you go. Well, Those are both my leagues. Year. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fine. Just, uh, yeah, just beat Ike Taylor this week. I beat Jonathan Stewart last week. Ike Taylor this week. So. Oh, the same way that Ike got beat by Demarius Thomas in the wild card game. Nice. Wow. Awesome. Yep. Chat. Wow. I, I, I really, I really hope he doesn't see this one. You just. I I, I, I love Ike, but again, I'm, I'm a Steelers fan, so I've been through it all. <laughs> well, hey, Pittsburgh uh, had some other disappointment today. Obviously, the Steelers lost. The Pirates, though. Four games sweep. Finally, the Mets are beating up on the teams they're supposed to. Everyone, we lost our first matchup with Pittsburgh a little over a week ago. Everyone was chicken little. The sky's falling. And how do we respond? We won six straight against the Pirates. So what does that make us in this uh, in this stretch? Do we finish? Was it 10 and 6? 9 and 7. Oh, so Rec was the closest. Damn. Yeah. Rec almost hit the nail on the head right there. We yep. almost got 10, 10 and 6. 6 would have looked a little bit better. Would have. You know, double digits always looks better. That sweep by the Cubs, that'll uh, that'll get you. That'll make Don't you remind sleep. me, Rack. Don't remind sleep. me. Terrible at night. So obviously, you know, we, we didn't have an episode after that Cubs uh, sweep, but we're here now. Four and three homestand, you know, not the best against two less than mediocre opponents. But, you know, Rec, we've got a formidable opponent next few days in Milwaukee. What have you seen from this team? How do you feel about this team moving forward? You know, at least they, you know, they righted the ship with the, uh, the Pittsburgh sweep. Yeah, I think as far as the Mets go, I'm not – I wasn't worried after the Cubs sweep um, offensively. Look, this team, they don't hit home runs. That's a problem, to be honest with you. But it's not going to be fixed. They don't have anybody 
coming out of the woodwork that's going to all of a sudden start mashing outside of, you know, Pete hits home runs, Lindor hits home runs. Obviously, Escobar has hit uh, quite a few since he's come back. Nito got on the board finally at two uh, in, just in the last week. Um, but they just they're not going to have that instant offense. And it's unfortunate because at times you're not going to be able to string together singles. You're not going to get teams like Pittsburgh who are going to walk in runs and walk in runs and walk in runs for you. I think they walked in three or four this series. Obviously, they hit a bunch of Mets, um, so they were giving them base runners. That's not going to happen, especially come playoff time. So this team's going to have to find some form of consistent offense. Um, you know, when they get to that point, uh, we've said before, uh, at least I have, I think they rely too heavily on Pete at times. And I, th I think that continues. I mean, even what I saw in this series, I wasn't blown away by the offense. They scored enough runs to win games. But to me, the pitching staff was lights out. The bullpen was great. They gave up one run the entire series. David Peterson, and uh, I think it was yesterday's game, uh, well, I guess two days ago now when you listen to this, game three of that series gave up a run. Otherwise, they were fantastic. Um, and the starters all were great. I mean, obviously, Jake gave up a, a three-run homer. Ty gave up a, a homer, both to O'Neill Cruz, uh, in their outings, late in their outings. But, uh, look, the pitching staff did what they're supposed to do against a team like Pittsburgh, which is strike a lot of them out and put up a lot of zeros. Uh, and so realistically, it still comes down to the offense. Can they find enough? They were able to find enough against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh helped them out a lot, which is fine. That's going to happen, and you take advantage of it. You win the games. They won four games. Um, I'm not overly concerned about anything, but I still want to see this offense start to produce a little bit more consistently. Um, you know, And I think it, the long ball is would be great, but like I said, it's just not coming. Um, and against this Brewers team, they got some good pitching. Uh, at times, they can go in some skids themselves, but they get Corbin Burns in game one. That'll be a, a fun test. Uh, and then, of course, the Brewers team is also playing pretty well right now. They just took two or three from the Yankees. They're starting to find their groove since uh, the whole trade deadline fiasco. And and they look like the team that you know they were more in the first half of the season than the team that they've been uh, over the last month or two. So uh, it'll be an interesting series. But, again, I am – not concerned about the Mets, but I wouldn't say I'm overly optimistic about them making the kind of deep run that I think everybody is expecting. Tyler, what about you? How are you feeling coming off this weekend? And, you know, what do you have to say about what Rec just said? Well, starting off with the weekend, I mean, I literally just came back from being in attendance for Jake's start today, which was awesome. It was my first time seeing him in person since his first start last year in Philly, the Mets' first game. Of course, they lost, like, three nothing or two one because the Mets can give Jake run support. Thankfully that wasn't the case today. I mean, DeGrom with 13 strikeouts, the Mets as a whole in this game four at the time of us recording this right now, tied an MLB record for 20 strikeouts in a nine, any game. So there were a lot of records that happened in this matchup, which was fun, but I really agree with, for the most part, everything Rex said outside of potentially what they will do come playoff time. And that's, of course, there's a sense of bias in there naturally. Also, just with how this team is constructed and what I think will change a little bit as we get, again, closer to playoffs, which is right around the corner at this rate and very well can start should the Mets win any game in that Brewers series. They automatically clinch a playoff spot because they're only two out right now. It's because of Milwaukee. But my biggest takeaways from this series, again, the same as Rec. The offense, they outscored the Pirates 24-8. to But you looked at how this offense was rolling, 
it felt like almost every single inning, the Mets had at least two guys or bases loaded this entire series, and they just didn't execute if it wasn't for the endless hit-by-pitches that you saw in Game 3, or, of course, walking around the Rosie, which was the same thing in Game 3. I mean, the Mets are now four hit-by-pitches away from tying the MLB record and overall with 105. But if you look at their offense, runners in scoring position, they had plenty of opportunities. They only went 11 for 52 in this matchup for a 212 average. So that's something that definitely needs to be better for them as they enter Milwaukee tonight at the time you guys watching and listening to episode 2020. Came speak. I was going to say 2022, 2020 of the podcast. But yeah, the pitching carried them 100%. I'm going to just go briefly down like my biggest takeaways, not just Jake with the 13 Ks. I mean, Seabass with another quality outing, six shutty with eight Ks, tie 7.1 A's, two earned runs because of that home run by O'Neill Cruz, five Ks. He, if he got to eight innings, he would have been the first pitcher in multiple years. I want to say since 2017, since the last time a Mets star went that deep. So he got close, just couldn't get close enough, however. And Cookie Carrasco to open up the series with six strong, only giving up one earned run and 11 strikeouts a season high for him. But biggest takeaways, not only that, I think the bullpen. David Pearson looked really good, in my opinion, in those two innings that he pitched. Yes, he gave up the home run, but he was quick. He got four strikeouts. And that's a role that we're going to see him hopefully be in more comfortable a comfortable type role going down forward as we get into playoffs. Cause he's a guy where there's still uncertainty as the, if he's going to be on this playoff roster, but hopefully we see more outings like this, where he can command himself, have his quick pitches going. And he's a strikeout machine when he's on as long as again, he's not walking the bases low like he did at his previous start. And Joely Rodriguez, I think was the biggest highlight surprisingly as someone that, again, I understand your face in the pirates and no, I'm not getting my hopes up at all. Yeah. Don't but the drink guy, the Kool-Aid on that one, man. A hundred percent. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid at all, but I was impressed to see him at least go multiple games in the series, two innings apiece, no hits, no earned runs, and a total seven strikeouts. He struck out the side in the first inning that he pitched today and then got a couple Ks in the second. I mean, he looked really good. So there's definitely positive takeaways from the lefties for a change from the Mets bullpen. And then offensively, Daniel Vogelback finally starting to break out a little bit more against his former team, which is nice. Five for eight with a home run, two doubles, and six RBIs. And Terrence Gore. He's a guy that might be on this playoff roster. I really like the fact that we saw him not only steal a bag in this series twice, but then get to third because of that bad throw by the Pirates. But you just see his base running awareness. He's a he's in the hundredth percentile, and you know running for all players in the MLB already. If you look at baseball savant, so he's a stud. I'm excited to see should he have a role in the Mets come playoff time if he's going to have that type of impact where he's just a guarantee to be a stolen base machine, which, of course, when it comes to playoffs, can be an X factor for the Mets. But, yeah, those are my biggest takeaways. Same thing as Rec. And the only different thing is that I do think that this team certainly has potential to go deep in the playoffs. But, again, it's going to come down to health. Sterling Marte, hopefully they get him back before the year ends like he hopes. And the pitching. The Mets will go as far as this rotation can take them. And, We'll see how that offense does. That's the biggest thing. We really don't know how consistent it's going to be down the stretch, but a four-game sweep is definitely a confidence booster as they get ready for Milwaukee. Yeah, so looking at the pitching, and I kind of want to bring it back to Jake's performance today. On paper, first thing that jumps out at you, obviously 13 strikeouts, ridiculous number. I don't care who you're pitching against. That's an insane number, right? Especially when you take into account he only recorded 15 outs, and 13 of those were via the strikeout. That's even more mind-blowing. But at the end of the day, he did only record 15 outs. And, you know, even if 13 of them were really sexy for a starter, especially of Jake's caliber to only go five innings, it's, you know, it's not what you want. Now, obviously, you know, the Mets were playing a craft team. 
the bats were going. It didn't hurt them. Joely looked great today for the first time since, I guess, early August. So that was nice. But when you look at Jake, he only went five innings and he allowed another home run. So, Rec, I, I want to ask you, 10 starts now for DeGrom, five home runs. Are you a bit concerned? Obviously, he's got really dominant stuff and he's striking out a ton of people. Are you a bit concerned, though, uh, with the likelihood that Jake's been giving up the long ball this year? No, no, I'm not. Um, I will say this. Look, uh, a couple of years ago when Jake first became this 100-mile-per-hour monster with a 95-mile-an-hour slider, and, um, you know, I'm not going to say it came out of nowhere. His velocity has pretty much slowly increased for majority of the last five years. But uh, that's really when, you know, two years ago when he suddenly became this guy who could just blow your doors off. He was the only starter doing it. Um, there are more now. There are a lot more now. And I'm not saying that guys are going to start catching up to him and, and he's going to start giving up, but he's going to give up a home run or two with a fastball. It's going to happen. I mean, I think today is actually a changeup, um, but it's going to happen. And he's, to me, one of the things that having Max Scherzer around and it's going to help him a ton. He's been throwing that curveball a little bit more often early in counts. Um, the changeup, you could tell he hasn't had the feel for it all year for some reason. He Last year, he used it anytime he needed it, used it a ton. It was great. If the slider wasn't there one day or if he just felt like going to the changeup, he would go to that even more consistently than the slider sometimes. Um, and I think he has to get back to a place where he can have those at least those three dominant pitches in the four-seam slider and changeup. But if he adds that wrinkle of the curveball as well, um, you know, this is going to – he's still getting the feel for everything. I mean, it's a guy who didn't pitch for a year in, in games – and what he's on start 10. So he's still kind of feeling himself out, making adjustments. He still has a couple more starts before the postseason. Uh, I'm not at all worried, but yeah, like he could give up a homer here or there. It's going to be about, can he manage the walks, which haven't been a problem or some little base hits, which got him today, a couple of singles and then boom, a three run home run. Not something we see from Jake very often, but O'Neill Cruz is pretty much an absolute monster. So, again, not worried at all about Jake, but there are some things I'm seeing that I, I want to see some adjustments from him, and I know he'll make them. I know he's a smart guy. He'll watch the film. He's, he knows what he's doing out there, and he's going to make the adjustments as far as being able to throw more pitches in more spots so that he can keep hitters off balance because it doesn't matter who you are anymore nowadays. If a guy is sitting fastball and he's got the hands to hit it, it, it can go out of the park anytime. I mean, you see that Spencer Strider just set the record for strikeouts in uh, getting to 200 strikeouts in the least amount of innings. MLB history, 130 innings. He still gets touched sometimes. Like, I mean, it, it happens. Like, you're going to give up home runs. Cole gets touched every time he goes out there, he gives up home runs. So, I mean, it He's doesn't matter how hard you throw. Record. That's true. It doesn't matter how hard you throw. It doesn't matter who, like, how good you are. You're going to give up, you know, a home run or two here and there. It's just a matter of making it, you know, kind of less meaningful without those runners on base. Yeah, and I think a great point you brought up is that, you know, he's going to implement that curveball more often. We've talked about this on the show in past episodes, either last episode or the one before, that come playoff time especially, I think that curveball, he's going to go from throwing it maybe six or seven times a start to maybe 15 times a start when the playoffs roll around. Because his slider and his fastball, there's not really a big disparity there at all in velocity. I mean, you're talking a five-mile-per-hour difference, right? Sliders 94 to 96, fastballs 99 to 101. And so he really needs that off-speed, whether it's his changeup, which is still low 90s, 
or that curveball to come in 83, 84 and really keep guys on their toes with that. Um, looking at the bullpen, though, this series, you know, we mentioned one of you brought it up. Peterson was the only reliever to allow a run, but, you know, he, he still he gave us two scoreless before he allowed that run in his what was the beginning of his third inning of work. Did Peterson ease anyone's mind a little bit? Tyler, we'll start with you here. I mean, obviously had that awful start to wrap up the Cubs series, but then comes out of the pen just a couple days later and looks pretty damn good out of the bullpen. Do you think he might be working his way towards a a postseason roster spot? Yeah, I think that was definitely a promising sign. Yes, we have to take into account it's still the Pirates at the end of the day, but this is a Pearson that, regardless on who he's faced this year out of the bullpen, has looked pretty shaky in the limited opportunities that he's had. So I think this was a nice confidence boost for him, and I really do believe that Pearson is someone that could potentially be more impactful for you and could be a guy that I think the Mets should favor if they have to over someone like even a Joely Rodriguez if they have to bounce between the two as we have more guys returning to the pen once we get to health updates shortly. But yeah, I was very happy with what I saw with David. Again, when he's on, he's moving really quick, and I just love the fastball and the slider. When he's got it going, he's a guy that I am confident with. Everyone was writing him off. Don't get me wrong. He was atrocious to start that game against the Cubs, a game that we all expected Trevor Williams to start. It just didn't make sense for him to start. That's why Buck waited to last minute to announce that uh, Peterson would still be the starter after all. But when he's been on all year, he really has been a strikeout machine for this team and really an underrated reliever slash starter when the Mets have need him to eat innings. So I think he's definitely a valuable, valuable lefty out of the you know, minimal type options that the Mets currently have out of their pen. All right, guys. Well, Tyler, look, you just mentioned the health update. So before we jump into that, and then we look ahead to the Brewers Mets series starting today, if you're listening or watching this, most encouraging thing we saw in the Pirates series. Rec, we'll start with you, then we'll go to Tyler and I'll close this off. Yeah, I think if we're going to go with most encouraging, I have to stick with the bullpen. Um, you know, just the fact that they came in and really locked it down the way that they did. Um, you know, you could see some improvements some guys from guys in the you know in the starting lineup as far as offensively but to me that the bullpen coming through uh whether it was lugo whether it was joelly rodriguez whether it was trevor may today you know whoever it was uh they they got very good innings out of those guys again i know it was the pirates but you can only say that so many times look they lost three games to the cubs you can't take these teams for granted they can hit home runs they got guys in there that these are big league hitters uh so to me it was just really good to see that uh, this team when they needed to, because there were a couple, you know, kind of nerving moments there late in these games um, where when they needed to, they were able to get the big outs and and basically shut a team down uh, and really, you know, just hammer home that win. 100% bullpen was great. Tyler, what about you? Uh, for the sake player, encouraging theme. Yeah, for the sake of having a different answer than Rec, I'm going to go with DH overall because we all know that's been – I know that's your pick too. I apologize. <laughs> uh, it's something that we know that the Mets have struggled with for large parts all year long. So to see Volga back finally start again to swing at things again, again, to score those four runs with him to have that big two-out base knock in game four – I just attended was great and not even him to a lesser degree again, because he's a guy that we don't know if one, he's going to be on the playoff roster and two, how much more pl uh, playing time he's going to have before the season ends. And Mark Vientos guys for a space knock when he pinched hit in that DH role earlier in the series and got his first RBI in doing so. So plenty of pauses from the DH spot, which again is encouraging for a Mets team as they've desperately been needing stuff there from that five spot for quite literally the majority of the season. 
Well, I mean, you guys kind of took the words out of my mouth. The bullpen, I'm sorry, the Joe. DH productivity. No, no, that's that was that was the biggest takeaway. You know, Vogelback, you mentioned it at the beginning of the show, Tyler. He was what five for eight this series. Yeah, five for eight. Four RBI. I mean, you know, six he RBI right up there. Excuse me, six RBI. Like yep. he just he looked comfortable at the plate, which is something I don't think we've been able to say for him or for that matter any DH in this lineup for the better part of a month. You know, we've seen Vogelback, who's known for his great eye. We've seen him, you know, stare at pitches right down Broadway. And then Chase Layton counts lately. He just looked comfortable and in his own rhythm at the plate. Uh, bullpen was great. All the guys you mentioned, Rec, especially Peterson. He was the biggest standout for me just because he was coming off such a terrible outing in his last start. And then to come out of the pen and go, you know, damn near three innings and look really comfortable in doing so, that was huge. One other guy we haven't really mentioned. I think, Tyler, you gave his stat rundown earlier. But Chris Bassett, you know, obviously the guy's a vet. He's a pro's pro. So we expect greatness out of him pretty much every start. But he unexpectedly got touched up against the Cubs. So to see him get back out there against Pittsburgh, dominate them just like he did, you know, two starts ago in PNC, uh, you know, just kind of restores a little bit of faith there. Like, all right, you know, the Chicago thing, don't get used to that. It was just a bad night. It was a bad series. Bassett still almost as reliable as anyone else that the Mets could run out there any given night. So we're going to dive in to this Brewers series preview. But Tyler, before we do that, why don't you give us a little health update? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned at the beginning of the show, Mad Max is back, and this is fitting because as the Mets look to hopefully clinch a playoff berth in game one against the Brewers, Max is also looking to clinch his 200th win of the season. Hopefully he can get that unlocked. That would be great, not in the season overall in his career, obviously. But then the bullpen. Two guys are finally coming back. Tyler McGill will be activated today at the time you guys watch and listening to the pod. He's someone that did give up one earned run in his last outing while Drew Smith and Joey Flago both had scoreless innings or multiple innings. But McGill brings a lot of potential for this Mets bullpen that we haven't seen in literally forever because the last time the guy was pitching for us, he was a starter. So he's a huge question mark on what he's going to bring, but he could be a huge Swiss Army knife for this pen. And that's why, in part, I've been so excited about his Lana Wade return. Andrew Smith, as well, is expected to return a day later this Tuesday. So the Mets are getting reinforcements to their bullpen. You'd have to imagine a guy like Steven Nagosik. Alex Claudia will be sent down, but with Max having to be activated as well, I mean, we could come to a realization of a Tommy Hunter and or a David Pearson and or a Joey Lucchese, not Lucchese, pardon me, um, jo uh, Joey Rodriguez. One of those three very well could be sent down too to make sure that there's roster room because I don't think the Mets are going to move Vientos or Gore right now. Again, I could be wrong, but I, I'd keep an eye on that bullpen. A lot of changes are going to happen over the next 24 to 48 hours. Definitely, definitely. So look, Scherzer's back tonight. He's going up against Corbin Burns. Big match. This is going to be a great pitching duel. This is going to be yeah. you know playoff caliber pitching duel here. Corbin Burns has actually been awful as of late. Since August first, he's pitched to an ERA of about four and a half. He's allowed three or more earned runs in five of his last six starts. Wreck. I know. In addition to the Mets, obviously, you watch a lot of baseball. What's wrong with Corbin Burns? He's still striking guys out, but he's getting touched up a ton. Well, his walk rate has actually kind of skied through the roof this year, in particular from last year. Um, he's given up more long balls. Uh, he's missing middle. Uh, look, his stuff is still there. It's not like his stuff is diminished. Um, he's just not the same pitcher that he was last year. The consistency just isn't there, and and it's really it's been hurting. Um, you know, he's he's if there's one thing that a pitcher has to do, it's execute, and he's he's not been able to execute at the level he was last year. Uh, so for me, it's really going to be about the Mets trying to work the count, make him throw a lot of pitches, which they do very well, but you have to be able to, it shouldn't be an auto take. You're not going to be in auto take mode. 
you got to be aggressive to a zone, maybe to a pitch, figure out what you're, what you're looking for with, with Corbin Burns. And if, when he makes a mistake and he is going to make mistakes, you gotta, gotta make him pay um, every, each and every time. And realistically, that's what it's going to come down to for them. Um, and I think from the other side, from the flip side, seeing Max back on the mound is going to be huge uh, against this Brewers lineup. And I do want to get into them a little bit because they don't get enough credit. This Brewers lineup, third in the league in major league baseball and home runs. Um, they can put them on the board. Now they strike out a ton. They're similar to the Braves in that way. They hit home runs, but they strike out a lot. They're obviously not quite as good as the Braves. Um, but I would say that this team can scare you, especially in their park. They can put up runs. So it's going to be interesting to see Max out there. He can at times be susceptible to the home run ball. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how he fares. Um, but this should be a, just a really good series. I'm excited to see this series because, like I said, the Brewers are playing pretty good baseball right now uh, all of a sudden. And they're fighting. They're fighting for that last playoff spot with Philly um, and, and San Diego. And obviously Philly coming off that sweep from Atlanta. They're not looking too good. San Diego hasn't been playing great. So this Milwaukee team smells something, and, and they've got a shot at making the playoffs. You know, could, could the Phillies once maybe just, like, help us out? Get, get, give us a little They, they have one more chance, no. Joe. They have no. one more chance. <laughs> if, yeah, after we, all that we endured weekend. in 07 and 08, I mean, could the Phillies just, like, return the favor to Atlanta this time? It's uh, just needed one game. That was all I, I was asking for this weekend. Like, just Nothing. one game. The Braves Nothing. are going to sweep the Nationals too, so like you just got to buckle yeah, up for that. I mean, it's it's just disgusting. The Philadelphia Phillies. I, I could not hate a team anymore. It's funny how we were talking about how the schedule favored the Mets so much, and now all of a sudden we got to this point. The Mets didn't take advantage, and now it's almost flipped a little bit. They got the Brewers, yeah. where the the Braves get I think the the Nationals twice and the Phillies before this matchup with the with the Mets again. So. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think it's it's going to come down to that three-game set, and that's going to be so much fun. That is going to be so much fun to watch. <laughs> it's becoming yeah. inevitable at this point. It really yep. is. You know, I was really yep. hoping that, you know, Tyler and I were obviously overzealous with the 12-4 and four and the 16 games against the crap teams. And, <laughs> I told you. Know, you just, those teams, they, they love it. They relish it. Yeah, t- tell us we didn't play the game at a professional level without telling us that, right? I mean, it was just – that was so naive and so stupid of both of us. And, uh, and here we are. It's going to come down. Mets Braves first weekend in October. It's, uh, I'm already sick to my stomach thinking about it. But come on. That's, the, that's what you live for right there. That's oh, sick in a good for. way. Like, you know, I mean, it's the, okay. it's the butterfly, okay. man, the nerves. Okay. You, the one thing I will say about that matchup, again, anything can change. But as of now, the Mets have Bassett. DeGrom and Scherzer matched up to pitch in Atlanta in that three-game set. Now, that Long doesn't mean that, that, that means nothing if the Mets yeah. offense doesn't show up. But Again, if the Mets can have their three best stars that series, that will surely help them more than, say, having your four, five, and whatever it may be. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, fingers crossed it stays that way. We know, you know, a lot can happen down the stretch. Yes. You know, does Jake need an extra day off? Does Max need an extra day off? So- and this was the first time in a while today at the time recording that said Jake pitched on a fifth day. Yeah, exactly. He's been getting that extra day. So hopefully, you know, look, at the end of the day, if the division, if that's what it's coming down to, I think Buck's going to, you know, treat that like a playoff series and and run his best guys out there if it's possible. So we'll see when that time rolls around. Tyler, what's the biggest thing that you're looking to see for Max and his return off his second IL stint tonight? 
I think it's two things. It's one, how deep is he going to go? You know, we just saw Jake go five. You know, he had 60 pitches through three innings or so. Got Again, he was strikeout machine, but strikeout machine is only so good when you want to have more length for your ace and Max is our co-ace. So I hope for his sake we can see Max go six, seven innings because this is where I have no clue really what to expect with the Mets bullpen. They haven't faced a competitor like the Giants and I mean, not Giants. I keep saying the wrong things in this pod. Again, it's been a long day. That's what happens when I have to drive five hours going back and forth to City Field. But when you're facing Milwaukee in Milwaukee, look, the Mets are just coming off of a 16-game stretch where they're facing way below 500 clubs. Now, of course, the Mets offense didn't perform the way it should have been. But the point stands is that these relievers haven't seen nearly as much talent to the level that they're now see- seeing against Brewers in a little bit. So I don't know what to expect, especially if, say, Max only goes five innings. What's the bullpen going to look like for the remaining of the five? So I think length is huge. And also, same way that I kind of feel like with Jake a little bit, because what we know is with Jake with the home run ball and giving up five bombs in his first 10 or so starts is that I see a lot of similarities with Max where there's that ego aspect. You know, they're two of the best pitchers in the game. So naturally, even if they're laboring a little bit late, they're going to trust their stuff no matter who they're going up against. And they're going to trust it even if it's hanging a bit. Or, of course, you have Jake throwing upwards of 100 down the pipe. He's still expecting to get that swing and miss. But when you have a guy like O'Neill Cruz, for example, go through the order multiple times, he's going to find that eventually. We saw that taken care of multiple times in the series. So I think for Max, it's the home run ball for me. As Rec alluded to, you know, he uh, the Brewers have been one, actually the best hitting teams home run-wise, which is surprising this year. And it's led by guys like Ryan Telez, Willie Adamas, et cetera. Like, those are guys, especially Willie, he's my biggest concern in this series. This guy has been absolutely flaming hot over his past seven games and for a bit now. We're talking he has four bombs, 13 RBIs in only his past seven games, a 440 average, and over 1,000 OPS. I mean, uh, Taylor, their center fielder, has been hitting really well, Yelly and Urias. There's a lot of hitters, but they're big boppers along with not just Telez, but also McCutcheon. And the same thing with um, Hunter Renfro. Those guys haven't been hitting as well lately. So if you're looking for specific hitters, not to get off topic here, stay on the Brewers. Those are guys that watch starting with Willie Adamas. He's really finding his swing again at the best time for the Brewers in this wild card hunt. So, you know, it's interesting. I'm actually, you made two points there. And I'm yeah. in agreement with you, full agreement when it comes to how deep will Scherzer go. You know, obviously we saw when he came back that first game from his first IL stint against Cincinnati, he was absolutely dealing. And I think he was limited to what, six up downs. And because he only had about 80 pitches, was dominant, Mm -hmm. like 10 or 11 Ks. But after six innings, you know, they closed the book on him and it ended up burning the Mets. The Mets lost that game. What was it like? One nothing? It was like two one or two nothing. I think it still pains me. Yeah, it, it was a tight game. Scherzer looked phenomenal. and I'm expecting him to look that good again. It's just a matter of how long is the leash. What I'm going to disagree with you on is being worried about Scherzer with the long ball. Because we all know Max Scherzer throughout his career, and I think, Rec, you mentioned this, he has been prone to giving up home runs throughout his career. But this year, it's actually way down. In 20 starts, he's only allowed 10 home runs. You look at Corbin Burns on the flip side, 29 starts, he's allowed 22 home runs. And in his last nine, he's allowed eight homers. So with Max this year, you know, he's actually kind of, flip the script. You know, we've seen him with, with Washington. I think there was a four year stretch. He allowed at least 23 homers, four straight years. He's given up 30, a couple times in his career, once with Detroit, once with the nationals, but this year that hasn't been an issue for him. And it's actually because what you said about the egos, I disagree completely with when it pertains to max, I think with Jake, 
Not a knock on him, but when you throw in 102 and you have a 96 mile per hour slider, I think sometimes he does have a come and hit it mentality and it often works out. Sometimes it bites him. I think with Max, because he knows he's not really getting up past 95, 96. And that's, you know, he has to rear back for 96 at this point in his career. I think because of that, he relies on hitting his spots. And I don't think he has that, I'm just going to blow it past you mentality. I think Scherzer at this point in his career, even though 95 is nothing to scoff at, I think he's much more of a finesse pitcher than he was maybe five years ago. And I think that's actually helping contribute to the lessened home run totals because I think he's so much more focused on hitting his spots and not just trying to, you know, outman the other guy out there and just blow it by him. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great point. I'm not going to disagree with you there. I think the reason why I feel the way about Max when it comes to ego is, and this is shame on me for thinking more so in the beginning of the season through the first couple months, it felt like the only times Max was giving up runs is when he was giving up bombs. Like, that's really what it felt like in the large portion of his start. That has changed, however, especially in the second half of the season, you know, his injuries aside. So, no, that's a completely fair point. Uh, we very well could see Max shove. I would say, again, the biggest thing is how deep is he going to go? Yeah, I think, I mean, truthfully, when it comes to Scherzer and, and Rec, I'm curious what you think about this. Some people, you know, it takes time to acclimate. Some guys, when they're coming off an IL stint, takes them a start or two, or, you know, if you're a position player, a couple of games to get back into the swing. I think Scherzer, he's one of those guys that you give him, you know, two starts off, a little extra rest. I, I think he, you know, could turn in one of his best starts of the season fresh off the IL. How do you feel about that? No, I agree. And there's something about, we saw this with Clayton Kershaw. Actually, I think it was like a week ago or so. He made his first start back off the off the IL, and he was lights out. Um, we've seen this from Max earlier this year. Came off the IL, he was lights out. Uh, when when you're not talking about a year of time or two years of time, uh, even though Justin Verlander is still doing it somehow this year, <laughs> even after he missed two years the previous and year, the Grom too. Um, yeah, Grom misses a year and he looks the same. That's that's unusual because you take that much time off, and yeah, your body has to get back into the swing of things. But when you've done it, when you've repeated this delivery thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of times, like these guys have in Scherzer, guys like Kershaw or Lander, DeGrom, I mean, they have all that experience, that wealth of knowledge. It It's almost harder for them not to go out there and do what they've always done. Like it's just literally, it's just muscle memory. It's ingrained in them. Um, and so I, I expect him to come out and, yeah, he's had some extra rest, really. That's all it comes down to. Just I just hope he gets his body right, feeling good, whether it's the side, whether it's his back, which has flared up on him at times, whether, whatever it is. Um, I just hope he gets his body right and ready for the playoffs. That's really all um, I'm focused on. So go out there. If it's five, that's fine. If it's six, great. I don't think he'll be that limited. I think he'll be able to go at least six um, and potentially you know, give this bullpen, I won't say a rest. They haven't had to pitch that much, but – um, you know, give him a, a good quality start at six innings and then hand it off and, and hope that, you know, at that, obviously at that time that the Mets have a lead. Yeah, Question. that sounds like a good plan to me. Look, we're just asking for six more weeks. Finish strong here if you're Max. Give us six weeks. You know, I think tomorrow, six innings. I, I, what was he, 80 pitches against Cincinnati? That was a longer yep. IL stint. I think something like 90 pitches, probably realistic yep. for tomorrow. Tyler, what's on your mind? Uh, I got one last question for you guys before we wrap up the discussion here, unless you guys have any anything else to say. But starting with you, Joe, what is one player on the Mets from an offensive standpoint that you're looking for most in this three-game matchup? He showed flashes uh, this past week, but it's Pete. And, and it's Pete in high-leverage situations. You know, Pete hit a couple 
bombs against the Chicago Cubs when the Mets were, you know, down five runs in the ninth inning. Yeah. Uh, I want to see, I want to see Pete be in the middle of it. You know, we saw in this Pittsburgh series, Vogelback was in the middle of it. Uh, McNeil, I mean, he's hitting what, 320? He's back over the 320 mark? He got on base five times. Yeah, I mean, we we haven't even talked about him at all yet. Like McNeil's been in the middle of it. Nimmo had a great day today, three hits. Uh, Lindor's been in the middle of it. I want to see Pete, you know, I I feel like so often it's like when the Mets are scoring, you know, you'll see like, oh, we've got to run in two guys on one out and who's the out? It's Pete. So I, I want to see Pete, you know, get in the middle of these rallies and and really propel this team. You know, he's done a couple things uh, this homestand, but, you know, just be more consistent, hit homers in more high leverage situations. And uh, but also at the same time, I'm going to contradict myself. Don't swing out of your shoes trying to hit the home run ball because Pete lately, you know, and I say lately for the past maybe three weeks at this point, he's been trying to do too much. So, you know, look, we all know he's he's a freaking strong, big guy. Just, you know, put the bat on the ball and and let it fly. I, I need to see Pete be involved with, you know, with more rallies and and uh, and stop hitting meaningless ninth inning home runs. I'm going to go with Brandon Nimmo. Um, and I'll tell you why. As we get down the stretch here, obviously setting the table for guys like Lindor and Alonzo, because that is where the Mets are going to get their offense. They're not going to get it from the bottom of their order, particularly in the playoffs. It's just not going to happen. I mean, the pitching's too good, and that area of the lineup, you definitely can at least count on it. If it comes, great, but you're not going to be able to count on it. So to me, it's all going to be about this top end of the order, and guys like Nimmo, are, he's going to have to get, he's going to have to become that 400 get-on-base machine towards the end of the season and then into the playoffs. That's what I want to see. I want to see him. I know he had three hits today. Awesome. Um, but I want to see that continue because I haven't seen him consistently this year um, doing the things that I've seen him do in the past couple of years, particularly where he's had that 400 on base percentage. And he's been more of a um, a consistent machine at the plate as far as, as base knocks, walks, whatever it may be. Um, to me, I just want to see him put together really, really good ideas. Yeah, I mean, I have a high expectation for the Mets catchers, which is crazy to say, but we've been saying that throughout the month of September. So I'm going to go from more so what we've been seeing and what I want to see, and that is Mark Hanna. Because Mark has been in a slight funk lately, nothing drastic, but I just like the chances of him hitting well in Milwaukee. I just got that gut feeling. I think he's going to have a good series for the Mets. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, I was leaning Canna. I was leaning Escobar. You know, Escobar, don't forget, former Brewer going back. Yeah, to I was thinking that too, but He's I'm like, hot as hell. I won't do it. But at the end of the day, you know, I feel like <clears throat> maybe not so much Canna, but when it comes to Escobar, I feel like whatever you get from those guys, it's gravy. You know, like like you said, yeah. Rec, whatever, whatever they do, if they hit in the playoffs, great, but you can't expect that. Pete's a guy who, you know, if, if Pete's not hitting in the postseason, the Mets are probably not going to go that far. No, nope. uh, You know, you can only Did win you guys... so many games, one nothing, two to one. I want let me let me throw the stat at you guys before we wrap things up. I'm not sure if you saw it on um SNY's broadcast recently. And it was just to give you an idea, and this is why I always emphasize, you know, the offense runs through Pete, whether people believe it or not. Alonzo, and this was from, from like two nights ago, with the Mets in 91 wins this year, a 324 average, 28 home runs, 99 RBIs, and over 1,000 OPS. And losses that are 54, a 168 average, seven home runs. 14 RBIs and a 540 OPS. So he's a complete shell of what he should be when the Mets are rolling and he, and they're getting wins. So that's what makes it that much more important, that vital that you have someone like him on a roll, because it's clear that when he doesn't have his best stuff, 
there's a greater chance that the Mets are losing. And when they are winning, he's more than likely having himself a nice game or nice series. Yeah, and how about that? Seven home runs in their 54 losses on the season. He got two of them this week. So that yeah. shows you that all year, you know, all year long when the Mets lose, it's, you know, a big reason why. It's not the lone reason, obviously. It's a team sport. But a big reason why is because he's not hitting. And whether that means that, you know, he's coming up with guys on base or not and just not getting them in, it's obviously, yeah, he's got a lot to do with this team's success. You mentioned 91 wins. Wreck, I, I got to ask you, the Mets haven't won 90 games since 2015. That team that made it to the World Series, they won exactly 90. This is actually their highest win total since 06, 97 and 65. Uh, you know, you talked about this lineup and the bottom of the order. You can't really expect them in the playoffs. I'm curious. We could deep dive this later, you know, at a different episode. But right now, just like a quick side-by-side, how does this lineup compare to the 2015 lineup, in your opinion? Was that 2015 lineup deeper, better? Yeah. I'm curious. I think by the time we got, obviously, it completely changed at the deadline. And, and I'm going to talk about the lineup after the deadline, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, David got healthy towards the end of that year. So when you look at that 2015 lineup, I think we had guys who relished the spotlight. And I mean, mainly Cespedes, but realistically, that lineup had, we had the potential for more power, right? I mean, you could get it from multiple places. Um, it wasn't just pretty much one, maybe two guys with Lindor in here for this lineup. Um, man. Um, if I had to stack it side by side, I might take that 15 teams lineup. I might, um, you know, look, the pitching staff, I, I think when you look at what this team can throw out there, I think it's crazy, but I would actually take this pitching staff and the 15 lineup. I think that's where I would go with it. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I know that 15 team, we could hit homers. Like we had guys that could hit homers, whether it was Cespedes, whether it was Duda, whether it was yeah. Murph at the end of the year, whether it was, I mean, even David, I know he wasn't healthy for a majority of the year, but when he was in the lineup, the dude could still hit him, still hit the ball out of the ballpark. Um, how, how Randy was in that guy? lineup. Yeah, Grandy. No, Randy, Randy, Grandy, he had gave yeah. power out of the top spot. That's that's what I mean. I, I think I think that lineup just scares you more, top to bottom. Um, you know, you talk about the catcher position. Travis wasn't healthy for a lot of that season, but when he was, he was pretty good. Pulecki did okay. You know, he was he was in there. Um, a decent amount. Um, trying to think of some of it. I mean, obviously you had guys like, like Kelly Johnson and Juan Uribe that put together good ABs and could still hit the ball to the ballpark. Um, yeah, I think I think that 15 lineup just top to bottom, they just they just scare me more. They had more potential to to do damage. It doesn't it's not to take anything away from this team and what they do. Um, but again, that's when I that's when I say getting into the playoffs here, they're gonna have to get hot hot to make a deep run. And, and that doesn't mean that they can't. This Mets team has the opportunity to get hot and win games in this postseason and get all the way to the World Series, maybe win the World Series. I just think they're, I think they're missing something. And I, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. We're getting to that point. I love it. I'm, I'm still excited about this team. And they're moving in the right direction as an organization over the last couple of years. But I'm just not sure it's there from a complete perspective as far as being able to put up runs in the postseason, we'll see what happens. Anything can happen. Um, but yeah, I still I would take that 15 lineup. I think it's kind of funny. All the guys you mentioned in that lineup, top to bottom, it, it did have a lot of power. It's funny. Murphy is like, you know, obviously he went on that historic postseason home run, you know, in the stretch. postseason. Yeah. But in the regular season, it's like all the guys we mentioned, Murphy might have had the least pop 
in that regular yeah. season. The follow, of course, he goes to Washington, and all of a sudden he's like a 30 home run guy. But uh, but yeah, it's I mean that lineup top to bottom had a lot of power. It is interesting though. You uh, you left off one guy, Tyler's. Uh, I don't know if we're giving him the Voldemort treatment or something, but Tyler's <sighs> man crush. <laughs> Tyler, the look on your face right now. Rick, you, you don't know who Tyler is like in love with? Then literally my favorite player from that 2015 team. Oh, come uh, on. Who, did, who did I miss? Conforto, man. You left him off. Oh, yeah, of course. Duh. Well, when he came up, I mean, he was awesome. Yeah. That's oh, man. He, he, I think the Mets lost the game, but if I'm not mistaken, he had two home runs off uh, Kershaw, right? In game four of the NLDS. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, he was just, you know, he was the only guy who hit that game. If my memory serves me, you know, well in, in that respect. When we when we got to Coors Field, it was during the regular season, obviously. Um, he was taking BP. And I've seen balls fly in that stadium. Like, you know, balls fly in that stadium. It is what it is. He was hitting balls third deck. I mean, rookie, like, just got up to the big leagues. And he's going upper deck at Coors Field. And I, I swear to you, like, he's launching them off the concession stands up there. And I'm like, I don't, I've never seen a ball go up there. And he was doing it like it was, like he was just hitting Tic Tacs. Like I, it was, it was unbelievable. I couldn't, like, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And I mean, that dude had so much pop, so much ability. I hope he lands with somebody next year and, and has a great year. Cause he's such a good kid too. I love him to death. Yeah, I hope he gets back out there. You know, the crazy thing is, as much power as he had, I almost wonder for Conforto, part of his downfall, and, and not to say that his career is done, you know, that he's still young enough no, he can get back out there, but part of his downfall the past couple of years, I almost feel like he just tried too hard to be a power guy because he's one of those guys who I just thought had such a sweet gap-to-gap swing. And, yeah. you know, we talk about, like, when Pete's right, he's going oppo, right? Like, Conforto, when he was younger, I felt like went oppo so frequently, so beautifully – and then the past couple of years just completely lost that part of his game and that part of his swing. Am, am I wrong there, Rec? Or do you think that he just became very pull happy, very power happy? Um, I, I would I would have to watch again because I haven't mm-hmm. seen him swing a bat in over a year. But um, I think yeah, well, you're absolutely right. When he came up, his all of his power was to left field, left center. Like I mean, in the game, it was crazy how easily he could go that way. He let the ball travel and he could go that way. And yeah, we definitely hadn't seen that in the last year or so. Um, I think with him, it's just going to be a matter of him getting back out there and yeah, clearing the mechanism. I'm not going to say that he tried too hard. We, we're all guilty of that. Pete's guilty of that. We're all guilty of that at times. That's when you go in your funks, when you're literally just trying too hard. You got to show up to the field one day and just be like, all right, I don't give a shit anymore. I'm just going to strike out five times, whatever. And then you go out there, you hit a ball to right field and you're like oh yeah everything's great and then all of a sudden you go on a tear like it's baseball stupid like so I, it, it's <laughs> literally it's like the one thing i do not miss about the game is having to show up to the field and be like like get to the point where i'm literally just ready to be like all right if i don't get a hit today i'm just i'm, I'm going home and i'm never coming back and that's the day you get a hit it's like why why did i have to get to this point in my life to get a hit like what <laughs> it's baseball man i love it and i hate it so frustrating, but it's the most beautiful game out there. What's up, T? Um, I just want to mention quick on Conforto. I'm not sure if you guys remember much because, again, it was a short season in 2020. But what Conforto was doing, I mean, in that short span at least, and, of course, in 2019, 
he was spraying the ball a lot. And that's why he was my favorite player, you know, from that team. And growing up, I just, I, I, I'm still under the impression that he has a sweetest swing in baseball. You can't tell me otherwise. I mean, he just had something special about Michael Conforto, no matter where he goes, I'm always going to be rooting for him. But yeah, that ability to not just have the oppo power, but hit gap to gap. And yes, he, he did get pull happy at times. I tend to agree with you a little bit, Joe, but yeah, prime Michael Conforto, just spraying the ball all over the place. And that's why I always found him so entertaining as a hitter. And again, very underrated glove too. Sneaky glove that didn't get nearly as much credit as it deserved at points last season too. Yeah, definitely. All right. So before we wrap it up, series prediction, we've got Max versus Burns game one, couple of Cy Young award winners, uh, Cookie going up against the starter to be determined Tuesday night. And then Wednesday, we've got Ty running out there against Towser, who's six and nine. Nice with uh, an ERA just under five for the Brew Crew. What are we feeling? Two out of three in this one, a sweep? What do we think, Anthony? Start with you. Yeah, well, you know me. I'm a little bit more realistic, and it's nothing against the – they could go in and sweep. I'm going to say they take two out of three. Um, I like them taking this first game. You mentioned it. Burns hasn't been very good of late. Uh, in that last game, Hauser, I don't know. He just – he's like a five-inning and out guy. You know, sometimes – I mean, he gave him a little bit more length early in the year, but – I just, I just not a fan. Um, I don't know who they're if they're going with that second game. Could be a bullpen game. Who knows? Um, you know, Cookie in that ballpark. Love Cookie, but I mean, all you got to do is put it in the air in that place, and it is gone. So it's a tough one. Um, I'll take two out of three. I'll take the first and third games, and, and I think hey, you take that and run with it. That's your toughest series until you hit the Braves, and and hopefully, you know, take care of what you got to take care of before then. T, what about you? A little more optimistic, going for a sweep. What are your thoughts? Two out of three. Yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah, expecting I'm with you. Yeah. I think games one and three make the most sense. Uh, you know, I could even see it being games two and three if, if Max has a short shorter leash than we expect game one. And, you know, Burns has dominated the Mets in his three starts against us so far. But that'll do it for episode 22 of Believe in Queens for Tyler Ward. Catch him at Wardy NYM. Anthony Recker, anytime you type in his name and see a blue check mark, that's him. I'm Joe <laughs> Serralo at Joe Serralo on Instagram, at the Joe Serralo on Twitter. We've got the Mets Brewers this week. And then... They head to Oakland to take on the athletics. So expect a lot of first pitch strikes in that series. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.